0: While the Orioles won't be taking home the trophy they truly wanted here in October, they've got some gold glove finalists, could win some awards, which would at least be a nice touch on the end of the season, plus plenty of more Orioles news and notes to get to. Coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Friday, October 20th, 2023, and welcome back into the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we've got a little Orioles News and Notes pod. We're going to cover a lot of different topics today, including a couple of injury updates on John Means and Bruce Zimmerman, the Orioles losing an important front office member to the Nationals, the O's picking up a new pitcher on a minor league deal, and three Orioles being named Gold Glove finalists. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. Before we get there, though, just want to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. We're free and available on all podcast listening platforms. Make sure to rate, and review the pod wherever you listen, and of course, like, comment, and subscribe to the Locked On Orioles YouTube channel. Thank you so much for hanging in there with me throughout the season. I know we don't have Orioles baseball games to talk about right now on the pod, but still got a lot to get to here in the offseason. And we've got an Orioles News and Notes podcast here on a Friday, just kind of recapping things that have happened over the last week or so for the Orioles. And wanted to start with Maybe the biggest Orioles news of the offseason so far, and it's going to be hard to really see how this affects the team, at least on the field, but Brad Selick is no longer with the Orioles organization. Selick hired by the Nationals as their new Senior Director of Amateur Scouting, the Nats, who have seen a pretty big overhaul in the front office this offseason, especially in the amateur scouting and the drafting department. Brad Selick was the guy who basically oversaw the Orioles draft classes since 2019, since Mike Elias took over this organization. Selick was one of the few guys who actually stayed in the org, was here in the Dan Duquette years, and actually carried over and Elias kept him on. He was, in his most recent title, the Orioles Director of Draft Operations. Now, technically, he only held that title for the 2022 draft and 2023 drafts. However, he was basically heading up those draft teams in 2019, 2020, and 2021 as well, which meant he played a big role in drafting the Adley Rutschmans, the Gunnar Hendersons, the Heston Kerstads, and Jordan Westbergs, and Colton Kausers and Jackson Hollidays, and the list goes on and on of the guys Selick oversaw. Now, this is definitely a promotion going from this role with the O's to his current role that he now has with the Nationals. Keith Law of The Athletic first reporting that uh, Selick was making the move but Brad Selig's been around for 10 years. He joined the Orioles as an amateur scout all the way back in 2013 in the Dan Duquette era and has stuck around this long and has just built his way all the way up the Orioles system. Now, it's tough to gauge how much does this affect the O's, right? Like they're not losing a player. They're not losing an on-field coach. They're not losing like the number one person in the front office. But what does happen when you have the success that the O's have had in this rebuild and going from a stock a couple years ago to winning 101 games and winning the division in 2023, you start to lose important people because only one person can be the president of baseball operations and only one person can be your GM. And people below that who have done a great job, they want higher paying and better roles. And that's what happens to teams that do well. They lose a lot of front office people. Look at how Mike Elias and Sigma Dell got here to Baltimore. They left Houston because they had so much success and got promotions and came over to run the Orioles. That will continuously happen through baseball. The Orioles' front office will lose more people. Heck, Selick, you know, we don't really know what's going to happen yet, but most likely he'll take a few people from the Orioles with him and kind of give them bigger roles with on his team with the Nationals, so it is bound to happen. In terms of how it affects the Orioles, it's going to be a little bit of a change not having Brad Selig oversee all these draft operations. I trust that the Orioles have plenty of people already in place who have drafted so, so well over the past five seasons, but it'll be a little bit of a different scenario. Now, the O's will be in a very different scenario I'll say in 2024 as low as they're going to be picking in the draft you know it's obviously the lowest they've picked in the first round the lowest bonus pool that Mike Elias has had since taking over as GM so things are going to look different anyway but it could you could see a little bit of a difference in the drafting process but in general you still have Rosenbaum and Mydell and Elias overseeing things and I think it'll be most of the same processes for the Orioles but again this is what happens when you're doing things well at the front office Level. Another piece of news as we go to players on the field, turns out John Means luckily is going to be fine for spring training. Mike Elias spoke about this a little bit more in his postseason press conference, and then Jacob Calvin Meyer had a good article in the Baltimore Sun on Thursday, kind of talking to Means and discussing more the, the little injury that did keep him Off the ALDS roster, if you don't recall, remember Means came back in early September, finally returning from Tommy John surgery, made four starts down the stretch and had a sub three ERA in those starts. And we kind of thought, all right, like Means is definitely going to be part of this postseason roster and likely is going to be part of the Orioles postseason rotation, at least for the ALDS against the Rangers. And then we found out a day before the series started that. When Means threw a simulated game during those five days off in between the end of the regular season and the division series starting, he felt something in the elbow, had a little discomfort, and the Orioles decided just to be precautionary, and they shut him down for a bit and said he would not be available for the ALDS and did not put him on the postseason roster. Now, when Hyde announced that news, he did say that he expected if the Orioles got to the ALCS for Means to be ready for that round. Unfortunately, that did not happen. The Orioles were swept by the Rangers, but hearing those quotes from Means and reading Jacob's story in the Baltimore Sun, it seems like Means will be good. Elias said it. Means said it. He will be ready for spring training. He just needs some rest throughout you know, parts of the fall and the winter here and should be good to go when the Orioles get to Sarasota, which would be a good sign to have Means fully healthy for hopefully the entirety of the 2024 season. And then one more pitching injury to get to Bruce Zimmerman. Some news came out about him on Thursday. Zimmerman, who as we know, really didn't contribute too, too much to the 2023 Orioles. Like He was on the 40-man roster all year, but he was up and down a bit, spent most of the year in AAA Norfolk. He had core muscle surgery on Thursday. The Orioles sending that out. He's expected to be ready for spring training, according to the Orioles' You don't know like how long was he pitching with this injury because remember he did come up and pitch for the Os just to give them an extra arm the last weekend of the year against the Red Sox after they had clinched the division so at that point he was still healthy enough to pitch and you know be used in the tides playoff run as well so you don't really know how much that was hampering him throughout the late part of the season but it's good to see that hopefully he'll be healthy ready for spring training There's definitely some question marks for Bruce Zimmerman heading into this offseason. Like, you know, I ranked all the players on the Orioles 40-man roster. You can go back and, and check out that episode. But, you know, Zimmerman was not super high on that list. And it wouldn't crazy surprise me if Zimmerman is at some point, if the Orioles do make additions to this roster through trades and free agency this offseason, that Zimmerman could be a DFA candidate just because not just because of the injury, because he really didn't pitch much at all in the big leagues last year. And when he did, he struggled a little bit over the last two years after that really good first two months of 2022 as a starter. He just hasn't been very good in the big leagues since then. And because the Orioles theoretically would be picking up players that would better pitchers and guys who would help out in the bullpen and the rotation at the big league level. They're going to need spots on the 40-man, and and Zimmerman is a guy who could lose that spot. Now, if he goes on waivers, he could go unclaimed. The O's could keep him, and he still could be in Sarasota with the Orioles, but you never know. There's certainly a chance Zimmerman ends up with another organization this offseason. It is something to monitor, though, that he did have that surgery. Maybe if the Orioles did decide to DFA him, probably a better chance he actually stays with Baltimore because other teams could be concerned, you know, how's this injury going to look? Once he fully recovers by spring training. And then speaking of the Norfolk Tides, we'll probably get into this more this offseason as more details come out. But uh, the Tides are being sold. Now, they're going to remain the Orioles A affiliate. They still have that agreement in place. But they're going to be sold to Diamond Baseball Holdings, which is a group that's now bought up. Like I believe it's over 20 minor league teams have been bought up by this group. There's a lot of varying opinions about what their end goal is here by buying up all these teams. People are worried that they're eventually going to just buy up all the teams that are going to stay in the minors. And when MLB and Rob Manford try to do another round of minor league contraction, they'll get rid of all the other teams and just Diamond Holdings, their teams will be the teams that exist. Either way, it's not going to directly affect the Orioles, at least for now. The Tides will still be their AAA team. They're going to try to get a new lease for Harbor Park. That lease runs out in 2024 but we shall see. And then speaking of leases, really good story by Jeff Parker in the Baltimore Sun on Thursday with an update to the Orioles' quote-unquote lease agreement that was not a lease at all. Remember, during the Orioles' division clinching game against the Red Sox on September 28th, they put that message up on the board that the Orioles had signed a lease for 30 years to stay at Camden Yards. They showed Governor Wes Moore along with John Angelo celebrating in the owner's box at Camden Yards and everybody was happy. And then... The very next day, it comes out that there was actually not a lease signed. It was just a memorandum of understanding that had some language in it, but was not legally binding at all. And we are barreling towards the deadline here. It is December 31st is that deadline to sign that lease. We are just over two months away at this point from that deadline. There is still not a lease. And Barker's story in the sun on Thursday was a really good one because it gave us even more context into what happened that night when they put up that announcement and kind of, Deceived fans, as John Angelos is very much known to do. And it turns out that Wes Moore had reached out to a lot of fellow Democrats in just Maryland politics in general, and had asked for statements of support for that memorandum of understanding. The plan was not to announce it until Friday, and then Moore was going to be there to back it up, have the statements from all of those political figures But instead, they just kind of went rogue, it sounds like, and and wanted to get the positive PR, you know, imagine that, John Angelos, of just announcing it at the ballpark while the Orioles are on their way to winning a division for a very, very special night at the ballpark. And as I talked about when it happened, it seemed like another case of John Angelos trying to just steal the spotlight from his own team and make it all about him. And that kind of ended up being exactly what it was because since then, the Sun, and this is all in the article, had reached out to all of these politicians and all these people surrounding Westmore, and nobody is choosing to comment at all on any of this. And it just makes you more and more scared at this point. Like, are they going to get something done? I still think they will. Or at the very least, they'll sign another one- or two-year extension just to stay at Camden Yards and give themselves more time to plan out the full 30-plus-year lease. But it's just another step of John Angelo's just get it done. Like, it's looking worse and worse as we get closer and closer to December 31st. But a lot of that news, somewhat negative in terms of what we just talked about with the Orioles. Next thing I want to talk about a little more positive Orioles have made their first signing of the off season. Now you can't sign any major league free agents just yet, but they brought in their first minor league free agent of the off season in right-hander Nathan Webb. And I'll tell you all about him coming up next. But first, This episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Jace Medical. Now we get some questions, what is Jace Medical? Well, Jace Medical basically is there when you need it. Their product is called the Jace Case. The Jace Case is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that treat the most common and deadly bacterial infections. You can also customize your case when you order it and add additional life-saving medications Based on your unique needs. And Jace Case, they are continually working to expand their medication offerings so you can get everything you need with that Jace Case. So to get it, go to jacemedical.com and enter the code LOCKED ON at checkout for a $20 discount on your order. That is promo code LOCKEDON at JASEMedical.com. So back here on an Orioles news and notes episode here on a Friday. I wanted to talk about Nathan Webb. Now, unsure if he goes by Nate or Nathan. um, I believe that uh, Fangraphs has him as Nathan and Baseball Reference has him as Nate. But either way, he is the newest Oriole. Robert Murray of Fansided first reported it earlier this week that the Orioles have signed the 26-year-old right-hander Nathan Webb to a two-year minor league contract with a spring training invite For 2024 now Webb kind of in an interesting spot right here 26 year old righty and was drafted out of high school all the way back in 2016 he was a 34th round pick by the Kansas City Royals that year in high school those are players that usually don't sign but he ended up signing and going to pro ball and it took him a while. He spent four years from 2016 to 19 in rookie ball with the Royals, kind of a Felix Bautista-esque start to his career. Had good stuff, had no idea where it was going, very similar to Felix. But he got through the, the COVID minor league season, came back in 2021, went up into low A and high A, and looked good enough to where he was Rule 5 eligible, and the Royals were a little worried that someone would draft him. So even though he hadn't played above A ball, The Royals placed him on the 40-man roster in November of 2021 to protect him from the Rule 5 draft. So then he went into 2022, and he went up to AA, and they basically said, all right, it's now or never. And it didn't go great in AA for Webb. Now, he missed some time early in the season with a forearm strain, but when he came back, he still kind of looked injured. 26 in the third innings, he had a 9.57 ERA, allowed 43 hits, struck out 30, and walked 20 again, in 26 innings of work. Now, his stats back in A-ball in 2021 were much, much better. High strikeouts, solid ERA. Then it all kind of tanked in 22, and it may have been that he was still pitching through injury because the Royals said this just isn't gonna work. They needed 40 man space. So the Royals DFA'd him in November of 2022. He became a free agent and the Pirates scooped in and picked him up on a minor league deal with an invite to spring training. And he went to spring training with the Pirates in 2023 and things were going okay until he felt something in a March spring training outing. Turned out he had a partial UCL tear similar to Felix Bautista and decided to get the full Tommy John surgery back in March. So of course The Pirates knew he was going to be out for the entirety of the 2023 season, which he was. But according to some articles out there, he started his throwing program back in August. So he has been throwing and continuously, it seems like, at least to this point in October, and especially since he got a contract, the throwing program seems to be going well. Now, usually the Tommy John recovery is 12 to 18 months. So we could see him theoretically throwing some in spring training. I don't think he would be ready for opening day, whether that's minor league or major league opening day. But at some point, you know, May, June of 2024, Webb should be ready to go in regular games for the Orioles or a minor league affiliate. Now, the reason they signed him to a two-year minor league deal, and usually minor league deals are one year, but you can sign two-year minor league deals, is most likely because, hey, you know, we're not sure how healthy you'll be in 2024, but we want to get you into our organization And then when we know you're fully healthy for 2025, we know we'll have you as an option for that year as well. That's why the Orioles did the deal like that. But this information coming from Eric Langenhagen over at Fangraphs when he wrote up Webb in his Pirates Top Prospects. He put up the top 43 prospects in the Pirates system and had Webb ranked number 41 and did a little write-up on him and talked about his fastball. It's a good one. It's 96 to 100. It's topped out at 101, according to Langenhagen. He's got a slider that Eric Longenhagen said was in the mid 80s. It's kind of a hit or miss breaking ball. It's really good sometimes and unhittable, other times, kind of a spinner. Other times, he can't command it. He also apparently has tried to work in a changeup, but it's just not there yet. So he's really a fastball slider guy. And he basically sees him as a one inning reliever if he gets to the big leagues. Basically, the report from Longenhagen, the report from Baseball America as well is. Webb is a high velo guy with good stuff and some command issues. And that is a lot of the guys that get signed to minor league deals as, you know, flyers basically at this point heading into next spring training. So at some point next year, hopefully he gets healthy. I'm sure we'll see him in double a buoy at some point and then get into the triple a Norfolk bullpen because he is 26 years old already. And then we'll see, you know, he throws hundred, he's got a solid slider. There is something there. And again, it's a minor league deal, so it's very low risk and could be high reward. And it's nice to see the Orioles Hey, you know, we got a player they signed to talk about again. They can't even sign major league players till the World Series is over. But for now, let's bring in some lottery ticket guys that can maybe help us down the road. Nathan Webb seems to be that first guy for the Orioles. But one more piece of Orioles news and notes to get to here on the pod. The Gold Glove Award finalists were announced earlier this week, and three Orioles made the top three at their respective positions. But it may not be the Orioles you would have expected. We'll talk about who's nominated for the awards, who was maybe snubbed, and which of these three guys could win a gold glove for the 2023 season. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by Sleeper. Now, Major League Baseball playoffs... They are here. Yes, it's unfortunate the Orioles aren't in it anymore. But either way, the action is still exciting every single night. How about our first walk-off of the postseason? Diamondbacks getting a win over the Phillies on Thursday. And with the MLB playoffs here, the clock is ticking on your chance to multiply your money by 100 times in cash on daily fantasy baseball. Baseball's never been more exciting than it is now, with studs like Acuna, Betts, Otani, and Adley Rutschman. You can just pick more or less on stats for these stars, like homers, hits, strikeouts, and more, for up to a 100 times payout on Sleeper. Get your picks right, and you could win big. And the best part about Sleeper is the app, it's super easy to use. You just pick up your phone, and in less than 60 seconds, you can log into the app, make your picks, submit them, and then hopefully, you wait for the money to roll in. And if you use promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Check out Sleeper today. So the one final thing to get to on an Orioles news and notes episode is the Gold Glove Award finalists were announced earlier this week, and the Orioles have three finalists how they do the gold glove awards is they announce the top three at each position. Those are considered the finalists. And then a couple of weeks later, I believe it's November 5th this year, November 6th, potentially we find out who the winners are at each position in the American and national league. Start off with Adley Rutschman. He was one of the three finalists for the Orioles at catcher in the American league, along with Alejandro Kirk and Jonah Heim. of course, Heim and Rutschman along with Salvador Perez were the three all-star catchers in the American league this year for Adley Rutschman. You know, he had an amazing season defensively as a rookie in 2022. His numbers were kind of down early in the year, but he finished really, really strong in the catching defensive metrics in 2023. And I would say is probably a deserving finalist. Now, in terms of is he a deserving winner, that's a different conversation. If you look at kind of all the metrics from StatCast and Baseball Savant, the throwing metric favors Jonah Heim. This is of the three players, Rutchman Kirk, and Heim. Framing also favors Heim, although Rutschman really came on at the end of the season. The blocking metric favors Alejandro Kirk. Pop time goes for Adley. And defensive run saved is Alejandro Kirk. It seems like it'll be close. The deserving winner is probably Jonah Heim. But it's awesome to see that, you know, and this will be kind of a conversation for all of these awards, and especially the Gold Glove, is that MLB kind of puts out how they select the Gold Glove finalists. 75% of the selection process is just asking managers and coaches from around Major League Baseball to basically rate certain defenders. And then the best scores that those players get, they go into the top three. 25% of it uses saber, uses data, uses defensive metrics. But three quarters of this voting process is by the managers and the coaches. It's basically like players they saw who they thought were really good defensively. And a lot of the times it becomes players who have a good reputation defensively And a coach maybe saw him three games this year and said, yep, he still holds up that reputation. I didn't see him make an error. And that guy gets a gold glove nominee. That's how some of it happens. But it is nice to know that Rutschman, only two seasons into his big league career, already has the reputation of, hey, guys know he is a good defensive catcher and he is on this list. He could win it. I think it's probably deserving to go to Jonah Heim, but we shall see. Then I think the most surprising one was Ryan Mountcastle, named a Gold Glove finalist at first base this year, along with Anthony Rizzo of the Yankees and Nathaniel Lowe of the Texas Rangers are the other two finalists. Ryan Mountcastle didn't have a position two years ago. They tried shortstop, third base, left field. None of it went very well, but he moved over to first and finally started to play the position well. He was actually pretty good defensively at first base last year and probably should have been a finalist last year, but he deservingly gets it this year. Unfortunately, similar to Adley, probably a deserving finalist, probably not a deserving winner. Again, looking at the uh, other stats, fielding runs value by StatCast. Rizzo is the best of these three. Outs above average also goes to Rizzo. Defensive run save. Rizzo and Lowe are tied, although Mountcastle is right behind them. It's interesting, though, because Anthony Rizzo missed a lot of time this season, so I don't know if he'll get the award. So I actually have a feeling it might go to Nathaniel Lowe, but because Rizzo missed so much time, not out of the question that Mountcastle would win it at first base. And then the Orioles' final finalist is Austin Hayes, one of the three finalists in the American League in left field, along with Stephen Kwan of the Guardians and Dalton Varsho of the Toronto Blue Jays. Similar for Hayes, I think a deserving finalist, not going to win the award, or at least he shouldn't. And that's nothing against Austin Hayes, who had a great season defensively, Right, his arm was awesome in terms of the arm value and and arm strength stuff from these three guys. Hayes by far outweighs Quan and Varsho, and he had a really good year in left field, playing in that that new cavernous left field at Camden Yards. But in terms of outs above average, Stephen Quan leads all left fielders in the American League by about a mile. Fielding run value is Varsho. Defensive run saved, it's Quan way up there. Stephen Quan just had another incredible year. He's Pretty much deserving of winning this award in the American League, but very, very cool to see Austin Hayes honored as well, of course, in the same year where he also makes his first All-Star game. But in terms of snubs for the Orioles, you could probably argue there's two of them. Now, again, the process is kind of a sham how this gets picked. Sometimes they do a really good job of finding the unknown guy who played a great season defensively a.k.a. Ramona Rias, not just being a finalist, but winning the gold glove at third base last year. They somehow got it right, even though Ramona Rias kind of came out of nowhere. Similar thing happening in the National League this year, Brenton Doyle, who can't hit at all and was on a terrible Rockies team as a rookie, but was like an elite defensive center fielder. And he is a finalist for the gold glove and center field in the National League. So you see some stuff like that, but then you also see last year, Jorge Mateo was Far and away, the best defensive shortstop in baseball last year wasn't even an American League finalist at shortstop, even though he won the Fielding Bible Award for best shortstop in baseball. So sometimes they hit, most of the time they miss on these awards. But the biggest miss is Gunnar Henderson. Now, you can make the argument that because Henderson was so split between his time at shortstop and third base this year, it made it tough to make him a finalist at either position. I get it, but Anthony Rizzo was a finalist at first base and he missed a lot of time. And there's also that utility spot that is now a gold glove award where you can give it to guys who played multiple positions. Kind of seems like a spot where I know Gunner's not like a utility guy. He's a two position guy, but could have put him there as well. The three finalists for shortstop in the American League were Anthony Volpe of the Yankees, Corey Seeger of the Rangers, and Carlos Correa of the Twins. Now, Anthony Volpe had a really good season defensively maybe a little Yankee bias there but he did have 15 defensive runs saved at shortstop that was one of the best in the league Corey Seager had five he had a better defensive year although not really known for his defense and Carlos Correa for the second straight year was a gold glove finalist and for the second straight year had a negative defensive run saved I don't understand how Carlos Correa keeps getting nominated but again it's this process itself they just say oh Correa used to be a good defender he didn't make an error against us this year so I'm a manager of so-and-so team I'm going to put down Correa even though He's not very good at shortstop anymore, and honestly, he should probably move to third or second base pretty soon here for the Minnesota Twins. Gunnar Henderson, 10 defensive runs saved at shortstop, and he only played a little more than half the season there. Remember, he played a lot of third base as well and was good there, but he was incredible at shortstop. That was third in the American League, 10 defensive runs saved. I think he's certainly much more deserving than Correa and Seager to be on this list. And then you can say Cedric Mullins. He had a really good year in center field. But when you look at the metrics, looks like pretty much all the guys that were ahead of him had a little bit better defensive seasons. Nothing against Mullins. It's just guys like Kevin Kiermaier are just ridiculously good out there and is probably going to win that award again. But don't get yourself bent out of shape about the Gold Glove Awards again. It's not a great process how they do it. Wait for the Fielding Bible Awards to come out. Those are the ones who really take a look at the numbers at the play and generally do a better job of showing you who were the best fielders in baseball in a given year. So we'll kind of wait for those awards to come out as well. But that'll pretty much do it for this week here on the podcast. Again, obviously I was hoping this week would be me covering Orioles ALCS games. That didn't happen, but we're still right here into the offseason for the O's and we continue the offseason content the player review series started this week we talked about Ryan O'Hearn, Ryan Mountcastle, Jordan Westberg and Adam Frazier make sure to check out those episodes this week they'll continue next week on the pod of course when I'm back on Monday as well but until then I'm Connor Newcomb and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day